welcome to another episode of the Tax Chick Podcast. So in this season of the podcast, I've taken a little bit of a different approach to some of the topics that we've been covering, and we've been talking a lot about philanthropy and charitable giving. And today's uh, episode is kind of an offshoot of that. And I decided to have an episode on this topic because I'm finding that there are so many small business owners that I'm working with that are really struggling with how to how to sort of transition their business either down to the next generation or to other employees. And there's just a lack of understanding of how to communicate these issues and, and how to how to get through what appear to initially be pretty major hurdles um, for success. And so I've been doing um, what I call the family meeting for quite some time with my clients. And it doesn't always look like a meeting. Sometimes it's around a kitchen table. Sometimes it's sitting in comfy chairs. But what it really is, is just a conversation amongst key stakeholders in the family about what's important to them and what their plans are. And not long ago, I ended up connecting with a lovely, lovely woman who is now my guest today. Um, and her name is is Laylee Pierby. And Laylee is working out of Calgary right now. And she does a lot of facilitation of family meetings. And so I brought her on to the, the show today. And we have this really great conversation about if you want to have a family meeting, what does that mean? Who needs to be there? What does it look like? Uh, we talk a bit about core values and what core values mean and how those can impact a family meeting. And then Laylee gives us her five quick tips for a really successful family meeting. And so if you're listening to this and you're an advisor who has you know, families who are looking to do some transitioning work, if you are a business owner and you're listening to this and wondering whether this applies to you, the the items that we talk about today apply regardless if you have a business that has $100,000 in profits for the year or a million dollars in profits for the year. The same issues uh, arise in businesses regardless of their size and the tips and the tricks that we provide today will work for any size of business. So I'm, I'm excited to share our conversation with you. But before we jump into the episode, just a little bit on Laylee. So Laylee is a skilled and trusted relationship builder. She has had an illustrious career in private, public, and not-for-profit sectors, and she served hundreds of families. She has a creative approach and a curious approach, and she now works as a consultant. Her thoughtful guidance continues to be rooted in helping families identify their philanthropic and community goals, proposing strategies for meeting those goals, and bringing forward processes and structures for achieving the goals. Family foundations that are wishing to evolve their governance practices or implement succession planning and develop training for future members will often enlist Laylee's experience and facilitation in navigating what can be sometimes a very complex situation. Laylee maintains that when expert advisors from multidisciplinary fields apply a comprehensive, holistic, values-based approach to helping families, that there can actually be an effective handling of the complexities of wealth. Laylee is a huge supporter of working together as an advisory team and collaboration amongst the advisors. 
Laylee is a lifelong learner, and she holds a Master Financial Advisor Philanthropy, which is an MFAP accreditation with distinction. She is also an affiliate with the Worldwide Society of Trust and Estate Planning Organization, and she holds active memberships with the Estate Planning Councils in Calgary and nationally. She is also a member and board director with the Canadian Association of Gift Planning, and she was conferred with the very prestigious CAGP Friend Award in 2019 in recognition of her significant contributions to charitable gift planning and philanthropy landscape in Canada. And when she's not working or volunteering, her culinary passion always brings family together. And music, yoga, a good book, and her Australian shepherd keep her active. I think you will really enjoy our conversation today. So without further ado, on to the episode. Well, welcome, Laylee, to the podcast today. I just feel so honored to have you on. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you, Amanda. So you and I have had a chance to chat a couple of times, and and we realized we have this shared love for discussions amongst family and and really these more bigger picture discussions about succession and estate planning. And I'm excited to take our conversation and bring it to the listeners today. Um, So I I can't wait to kind of jump in. But I had promised you that before we jumped in, I would ask you the two questions I always ask my guests, because I know that you will have interesting answers. I just have a feeling. So if you're game, do you mind if I ask you my, my two questions? Go ahead. Okay. So my first question is, what is the last podcast that you listened to or your favorite podcast? Well, I'm, I did listen to your uh, podcast on philanthropy, interestingly. I haven't been a podcast listener personally, but I have been an audiobook lover. And ah. the very first audiobook I did was uh, Barack Obama's audiobook, mm. Sins of My Father. Mm-hmm. But more recently, I did do uh, Michelle Obama's Becoming. Oh, such a good book. It is. You know, I, I got the book at Christmas time and um, so enjoyed pouring through it. But then listening to her um, was even more uh, inspiring truly inspiring have you have you listened to the or watched the netflix uh, special that went along with the book was that the one where oprah was hosting her i uh, I along along the way yes you're right and it and it was about an hour or an hour and a half long i thought it was an excellent addition to the book it was i happened to to catch that and i think it ended with either oprah or gail and uh yeah it was a, a traveling traveling uh, series it was wonderful it was yes. just wonderful she's so inspiring that's that's wonderful i've only recently gotten into the audiobook um sort of way of thinking and uh, i really enjoy it i i like having that as an option and it is a very much an offshoot of a podcast it's the same idea it is you know i i've been a calm the app calm mm. a subscriber for a long long time and i listen to a 10 minute audio every morning to get into my day but they've now added uh people like matthew mcconaughey and others mm-hmm. that do stories so yes. if you're having a sleepless night uh you can throw on a, a story and uh you might not get to the end of it and you'll fall asleep 
I certainly do. I'm the same way. I love the bedtime stories. And I even <laughs> like the ones that are supposed to be for children. Yes. Um, but but I like listening to those ones. I find them a little bit simpler. And uh, I, I really enjoy the Calm app. It's a very... It's a wonderful addition because it can be used in so many different ways, either for meditation yes. or for reflection or just for calm background music. Or yes. I like to fall asleep to the sound of the rain. Yes, me I really as well. Like that sound, yeah. <laughs> me as well. See, one more thing we have in that common. is shared. Yes, yes. Well, I, I think those are excellent um, options for audiobooks. The The other question that I usually ask is, if you're texting someone, what is the emoji that you would use most often when you're texting? You know, I, I sign off um, with the word gratitude, whether it's personal oh. or professional, uh, on, my, on my communication. And I follow with the, you know, uh, hands together in pose. It seems to oh. be my most favorite um, emoji as well. Uh, a, a second, a close second would be uh, kisses because of my yes. children and closeness to my children, you know? Of course, of course. Well, how mm -hmm. very zen of you. I, I like that option <laughs> of the hands in pose. That's wonderful. Well, <laughs> it does it for me and I hope through the ethernet uh, for the receiver, you know? That's wonderful. That's yeah. unique. I yeah. haven't had anyone say that one yet. So I, I knew you would have something a little bit different. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for humoring me. <laughs> oh, no, my pleasure. Yeah. So I guess I guess on to our regularly scheduled programming now. Um, we uh, we had so many things that we thought about talking about today. And, and then we, we were trying to narrow it down because yeah. we knew we didn't have hours and hours. And so we really want to talk about the family meeting, and I guess I'm doing that in quotations, but no one can see me, but the concept of the family meeting, and, and we talked about how we could break that topic up a little bit. And so the three yes. things we were thinking of doing was we thought we would have a very initial discussion about, like, what do we mean by the family meeting? Yes. Like, who participates? What's the purpose of it? Why would you call one of these? And then we could have a bit of a discussion about the concept of core values and what's yes. important to each member of the family. And then you promised that we would finish off with some real quick tips, a very kind of quick summary, your five yes. top tips for a successful yes. family meeting. So yes. I, I think we should jump right in. Let's do that. So how about we start first with trying to set the stage a bit for our listeners in terms of, you know, when we talk about a family meeting, what are we talking about? So can you provide a bit of background here for us? Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I came across a couple of surveys that uh, really share a little bit about the landscape in Canada when it comes to fri private family enterprise. Uh, the Conference Board of Canada's September 2019 report revealed some very insightful uh, findings. They, they indicated that two-thirds of the private firms in Canada are family-owned enterprises. And 99% of these firms are small to medium enterprises employing less than 500 employees in total, uh, but contributing to almost 50% of Canada's gross domestic product. And a third very insightful finding was that these private enterprises contribute 
on an average, $1.5 billion toward charitable causes in Canada. Wow. So that was a Canadian statistic that I found particularly insightful. And what was, what was in addition to that was a finding by the Canadian Financial Executive Research Foundation that said only 40% of Canadian private companies have a clear business ownership succession in place. And that 50% or less were, were concerned or were satisfied that their estate planning would in fact achieve business succession. So that was um, interesting findings. Those and are shocking numbers. Shocking those numbers. Are, aren't they very, yeah, they're very significant. So, um, you know, it, it's important that families have the kind of awareness and guidance that would drive uh, what success means to them. And yet, uh, based on our demographics, Family Enterprise Foundation findings in October of 21 suggested that 60% ownership will transition in the next decade. So- Wow, but so little planning in place. Well, this is it. So if, if uh, the statistics are applied you know, across the nation, what this might suggest is that a period of urgency for uh, family members to clarify their intentions, for discussions around uh, interests and skills of rising generations, of business succession as a whole, all will need to take place. And the way for this to happen is through family meetings. Well, and I love the fact that you've described this in a very broad way, because I think sometimes when, when we hear discussions about a family meeting or planning, there's this assumption that it, that's only for the big Fortune 500 companies or for the really, really large entities. And how you've described this is that there's, there's a lot of family business in this country and family business of varying sizes. And, and this same issue applies across the board, regardless of whether you have a thousand employees or two employees, it's still an issue that needs to be addressed. Absolutely an issue. Right. I, I think this is an excellent way to sort of set the stage. So now we have this urgent problem. So, so what is the family meeting and how does that potentially fix this urgent problem? Well, I think there, you know, the most common transitions might be one way to approach this, uh, this conversation, not only is the transition from one generation to the next or from one role to another an important consideration, but ownership transitions may ensue, board transitions may ensue, or even management transitions may ensue. Many reasons uh, for transitions to occur and I haven't even brought up the notion of a business sale, mm. right? So for the moment, my focus was on strategic transitions that might occur as a regular part of a business's operations. And when then should family meetings occur? And I might take 
uh, a page from Jim Hughes' book on the complete family wealth, he talks about the capital of a business. He talks about the quantitative capital and financial assets related to that, which is when family meetings might occur more frequently. Mm. But the qualitative capital on human or social or intellectual or um, spiritual and health capital areas are those areas that might get missed if family meetings don't include conversations around those elements. Mm -hmm. I think Another... it's the difference between the soft issues and the, the more financial issues, right? That I think Correct. you made a good point in that there's often this big focus on, well, where are our profits or where is our assets or um, how much have we sold this year? But often less of a focus on who are our people and what's going to happen if we lose one of those people and what skill sets does each person have and what's the overall direction or plan for the business. And a lot of those things get missed because you're just so busy trying to run the business. Precisely. Absolutely. And it's so much easier to look at numbers and have quarterly or annual meetings with your auditor um, and look at, uh, you know, profits or look at sales or look at costs. But what are all of the soft skills or the relational skills or the competencies that contribute to all of those advances? And um, Tom Deans in his book uh, uh, called Every Family Business talks about creating a family blueprint mm -hmm. and using um, the, the analogy of a blueprint when building a home, you've got all of the various uh, experts, be they plumbing, electrical, roofing, drywall, accessories, both within and without. Likewise, a family blueprint, a family business blueprint might uh, be one way of articulating some of the family uh, history and vision mm. and values. It may include strategic direction and the primary roles that are important within the particular business. And it may include goals and objectives for, at the end of the day, increasing shareholder value. The whole purpose of a successful family business is, is about growth and shareholder value. And so having an annual family meeting, revisiting the family business blueprint might be one way of engaging in some of those soft issues that might inform further discussion. That's a really wonderful way to look at it. And I've been I've been talking to my clients about this a lot lately. I have not used the analogy of the blueprint. I think I'll have to steal that from Tom Dean and, and or you. Um, but I've often talked about it in the estate planning context when I have, you know, a husband and wife 
maybe they're in their 40s or 50s and they've started to run their business and it's now quite successful. They're not at the stage where they want to move it to the next generation, but we're talking about right. what happens if they die unexpectedly. And right. I'll often say, you know, it's helpful to do a stream of consciousness because there's often all these things that are in your head, your dreams for the business, your hopes for the business, or yes. even weird things like this door is really sticky. So here's how you open it, right? Or this is where I hold this key. But if you can do that stream of consciousness, you you have something that's at least there for the next generation to see or your executors to see. But I love this concept of formalizing it into a document that's revisited on a regular basis. Yes, and Tom suggests revisiting it annually. And what I love about some of his recommendations is that all of the family, who should see it? So like building a home, everyone that's involved in the construction of that home should see it. So here I'll put in an analogy for the advisors at the table. Mm -hmm you and I and others that are around the family should be uh, included in seeing this blueprint of what the vision is for that particular family. And by doing that, and including, of course, also any family, uh, family members, the family heirs, what you are doing by simply the action of sharing it without even going any further is you've you've brought forward an inclusivity of uh, a value of inclusivity a value of um, collegiality and of ideas that just by the fact that you've shared something that you've articulated knowing that it can be changed mm -hmm. it can be evolved it can be innovated but at the same time is a place is a starting point um, and so when who would come to these meetings i mean I, I we've talked a bit about the advisors and we've talked about the heirs do do you often see that there could be also key employees or key managers within the business that would participate as well absolutely you you have family members that might be involved in the business, but you might also have key roles that are, that are uh, held by non-family members. And those vital roles that are uh, essential to the, the daily operations of a business should absolutely be present and also have access to this, to, to this blueprint because their participation is going to lead to the evolution of the business mm -hmm. and benefiting everyone uh, in the course of the review. And so you've had a lot of experience, I know, in, in your time in, in working with families who've had these meetings. Yes. I, I would be curious to get your perspective because I've done some family meetings with clients as well, and they don't often look the way that we might originally think they look. I think there's this image of a big boardroom table and everyone's sitting around it and it's all very official and there's paper and there's a whiteboard and it's very serious. And yes. I have seen family meetings happen at kitchen tables. I've seen yes. families go to cabins and sit around it and couches and have conversations. So what, what are some of the different ways you've seen this actually evolve in real life? You're so, you're so on point, Amanda. You know, 
I, I might call a first meeting a family retreat where mm. one third is uh, fun, one third is uh, business, and one third is um, exploring the area you're in. Have a retreat away from your home or your office. Uh, families today might be geographically dispersed in many parts of the country or further. And if family gatherings are happening once a year, take the opportunity to convene, invite input from everyone on what they might like to discuss in relation to the business, and then identify what one topic might be. And the initial meeting might be a half a day. It might be short. Um, it should not be mom and dad's meeting. It should be everyone's meeting. Um, something I've really enjoyed uh, bringing forward for families is uh, a video. And the video uh, that I've really enjoyed or a series that I've really enjoyed bringing forward is, uh, the, is based on a book uh, by, by Jim uh, Jim Stovall is the ultimate gift and the ultimate gift series. So there is the ultimate gift, the ultimate life and the ultimate legacy. Ah. And uh, in the movie, and it's about a 90 minute video, the patriarch played by James Garner is, mm. uh, he leaves his will, he leaves a video in alignment with his will and with his wishes in terms of, of inheritance. But what he really portrays in the video is more his values, his story, his why. Uh, and when you can engage with two or three generations around you through storytelling and through why certain things occurred generations prior and what brought the family together. It really is a binding tie for the family in terms of what those values were. Not to say that values can't evolve or shift, but it gives you a sense of where the family has been and where the family may be going. Well, and, and that's an excellent transition uh, that you did for us there to our point number two, because we did want to talk a bit about this concept of core values. And yes. I, I think it's a very interesting discussion to have because oftentimes the friction that I see between families is either one, because there's a lack of communication, yes. or two, it's because there's a differing set of core values. And, right. and no one has realized it. it's like if two people have a different love language and they're both trying to communicate using their own love language and it's not working. It's that type of idea. But if we yes. don't stop and identify what's important to us without judgment, without yes. criticism, and yes. recognize that everyone's different and everyone comes to the table differently, it can be quite explosive sometimes. And so I know you do a lot of work with core values. So let's I, maybe talk a bit about that. Certainly. You're, you're so right. You know, values expressed by two people may, may mean the same thing, but may be expressed and experienced very differently. Mm -hmm. So um, 
inviting people or family members to list words and concepts that motivate them and then defining what they mean. So an example might be, what motivates you in your personal life? And you may say perseverance. And perseverance is that value that is very much a, an entrepreneurial value when it comes to business, because family businesses have to persevere, have to be very much risk, uh, risk uh, tolerant, uh, I guess. tolerant. Mm -hmm. exactly. Um, innovation, right, is another uh, concept that might be tied in to perseverance, because uh, creating uh, new and different ideas or products, depending on what the business is, is again, perseverance in terms of evolving the business. So you see, once you have a keyword that might be defined by different family members, a facilitator uh, that is uh, experienced with uh, going deeper into a values exercise to then help articulate where the commonalities are might help bring bridge that gap and help bring the the family together this is where um you know common values and a shared vision can really bring uh the family closer together also well, how often we've seen that we have maybe two children and one child wants to expand the business and is yes. very risk tolerant. And the yes. other child is very satisfied to keep the business small. Yes. And so they're just at odds because they don't understand the other person's position. And mom and dad often don't want to step in and, and sort of deal with those differences. And so how wonderful to have a facilitator there who can explain and put context behind the way that someone is making decisions. Absolutely. And you know what I found uh, as a facilitator in some of these meetings, when you focus in on uh, listening to all of the voices, both, both children in, in your example, and, and not getting emotionally tied into uh, where the differences might be, but rather focusing on what I call the both and. So when we can accept and acknowledge all the voices that are present and tie it back into the impact it might have in the business decision that we've gathered to discuss on that particular day, then you can avoid some conflict and you can bring forward uh, a focus on the business and the creation of shareholder value which then might extend to other values applications. So I try to pivot and come back to how that might apply then to uh, the topic at hand. Mm. Well, and I know one of the topics that you do a lot of work in, in helping families with is philanthropy. And of yes. course, I've been talking a lot about philanthropy on the podcast this season because yes. it seems like it is something that is popping up in a way that it wasn't before. And, and just that more people are realizing that there's different ways to be philanthropic and yes. that you can have discussions as a family and it can actually be a really fun thing to work on together. 
So it, can you talk a little bit about how family meetings work when there's this philanthropy component? Absolutely. Thank you, Amanda. You know, family businesses are naturally uh, inclinated to be uh, caring about future generations. And those values transcend not only with their heirs and their employees in the business, but it also extends to the community in which they run their businesses, and it can be local or national or global. So by extension, uh, the care that goes into generating uh, successful uh, values within the business are also translated into projects and support for the charitable sector that aligns with the same values that the family brings to bear. Uh, let me maybe cite an example of a, uh, a family enterprise who um, has two generations of uh, children and grandchildren. Um, and grandchildren are now young graduates uh, finishing university, but employment mm -hmm. has been difficult. Mm -hmm. And the worry by the grandparents is that if our educated grandsons cannot secure employment, what does it do for those that are not as fortunate to have funding or scholarships for their education? So as an example for this particular family, they chose to make sure that bursaries were made available for low-income families. They chose to make sure that if some of the children of their uh, high-value employees were seeking opportunities to be creative, that they provided their employees with uh, the chance to participate in providing different funding for projects and do matching for those particular projects. Traditional philanthropy might have been through scholarships and bursaries, but the grandchildren uh, find that they want to personally, physically engage in initiatives and projects, and they want to to see the impact of their engagement through mentoring and through uh, their time and knowledge, not just gift giving. And so there is a shift in how different generations view uh, the impact of their philanthropy. And again, it's not an either or, it's a both and. Both types of philanthropy have a wonderful, uh, reward and fulfillment in the outcome that might that, be achieved. That is a really wonderful observation to make because I've, I've noticed a little bit of a difference in that as well in the families I've worked with and I've seen it as a really wonderful opportunity sometimes for generations to work together because yes. then the older generation sees this desire for active involvement and they say, well, let's do it together. And then it becomes this really wonderful bonding opportunity and learning opportunity that otherwise wouldn't be there. Absolutely. 
really it really does you know and when you can reflect on what your grandmother or your grandfather might have imparted uh, to you and and bring it to bear on how you want to then take it forward it's a wonderful time to be able to um, as you said bond on common ground and yeah. common values even though you might might approach them very differently. Yes, yes, I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, you've you've given such a wonderful overview here of the family meeting and of sort of these this concept of core values. I I wonder if we should move into your your quick tips because now that you've kind of set the stage a little bit, what would be what would be your top 5 tips if somebody says I'm going to start a family meeting? What 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 are your thoughts on that? Invite input from everyone. So take all the ideas because you may learn something from them. Pick a spot that is neutral and away from where you regularly live, work, play. Make it part fun and part work. Open it up to spouses, uh, partners, and children of an age appropriate to the topic. Consider having key advisors join the meeting or facilitate the meeting depending on the topic. And I do come back to the family business blueprint. It can be used for philanthropy. It can be used for strategic planning. It can be used for uh, mission and vision and values. It can be used for any transitions that might be occurring. There are so many applications um, that uh, the blueprint uh, allows to make happen. That's an excellent point because oftentimes I feel like there's a reluctance amongst the clients to to do the work to put that document together because everything is so busy. And so they say, well, you know, we all know it. Why do we have to put it into a document? But you're right. There's so many uses for it. I mean, even if they're doing marketing um, or yes. branding for their business, if, if they're able to provide a copy of this blueprint or pieces of the blueprint to their marketing coordinator or their branding coordinator, I mean, that gives such a sense as to who you are and, and what's important to you. Um, there's so many uses for this. Absolutely. And, and it doesn't have to be cumbersome or large, but simply a, a starting point. And then if, if annual meetings at least have annual meetings that are non-quantitative, so that might be a, a point to add, but you can build on, refresh, revise uh, the language uh, or the goals that are in the blueprint uh, mm-hmm. to make it more relevant. Uh, that that's wonderful, and I know that you've provided such amazing resources here, which I'm going to share in the show notes, because I recognize that the the listeners of this podcast usually fall into two categories. And you and I had talked about this. We often have business owners listening to this, and and we also have other advisors who are looking for resources. And so you've provided some excellent options for books and web resources and articles and podcasts. So. If anybody is is really curious about this topic and kind of wondering about how to dig into it a bit deeper, um, the show notes are going to have a very robust listing of of resources. And of course, your website as well, 
uh, has, a, has a number of wonderful resources. So this is yeah. a, a great way if you're curious about this to start investigating what this looks like and, and don't make it into something bigger than it is. It, it can literally yes. just be a family gathering, um, yes. which we do all the time. And, and maybe, maybe it's not perfect the first time and maybe there's nothing that's pretty that comes out of it or some beautiful you know, typewritten document. Maybe it's handwritten notes, and and that's okay. I think that we shouldn't yeah. always strive for that perfection. We should strive for the communication and strive Absolutely. for having those discussions. That's the most important thing. You're quite right. It's it's about building trust through those bonds. Well, and I, I think it's important to set ground rules, and, and you've kind of laid out some of these ground rules. And I know oftentimes if we start a meeting and we say, you know, here's the rules for the meeting and people kind of groan and go, oh my goodness, we're not in kindergarten. Like, why are we doing this? But there's yeah. a, there's a very important reason why we start mediations and arbitrations and discussions with yeah. here's some ground rules, because it's not leaving anything up to assumption. It's, we must be respectful. We must yes. be open. We want you to be curious you, you yes. have to be open to listen to someone who has a different opinion than you do. And especially with families, that can be hard because I think with, with third-party employees or business owners, I think we all have that level of we, we try to be respectful in public. And so you're not likely to say to a, your colleague the same thing you might say to your sister, right? But when we're in family gatherings, there's a whole different dynamic. And so to show that respect for each other and to begin yeah. to build that trust does require a common set of ground rules that everybody kind of has to buy into. And if one person doesn't, it can really skew the way that that meeting goes. Absolutely. And, you know, participation is perhaps in that list of ground rules. Generally, if, if a vital uh, participant is not present, that also speaks to the commitment um, that might be um, missing, you know, for that particular um, individual. Um, the other thing that you stirred for me is um, when you talk about third-party employees versus family. Um, you know, I did read uh, somewhere in one of my the books that I've referred that you know, if if a father is or a mother is the uh, primary business owner and son and daughter are working in the business, annual performance reviews and goal setting should be just as important between the owner and the employee as opposed to the father and the son. It should be treated as business, uh, as third-party businesses might. And when you're at work, you're in business. When you're at home, it is a family. And this way, the respect that you give to your heir by giving them performance reviews and um, competency outlines and remuneration information shows how much you value them as much as any other key employees to the organization. So... I, I found that those kinds of behaviors are also uh, very critical in building that uh, trust between family members uh, 
for business. That that is a wonderful takeaway. I I really appreciate the words of wisdom that you've provided us today. And I I always enjoy speaking with you. Your voice is very calming. I always feel very zen after I'm done chatting with you. I I really appreciate this. And I, I think we've provided some great food for thought for the listeners. And as I indicated, I will make sure all of these extra resources are in the show notes um, in case anyone gets really curious and wants to start looking into this further. And we'll also put in the show notes how you can connect with our very special guest today. So thank you so much for coming on, for all of your time, all of your work to prepare for this. It has just been lovely having this chat with you. Thank you, Amanda. It's been my pleasure. Well, that is all we have time for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening. I hope we gave you some food for thought or at least made you laugh. Please see the show notes for any resource material that we reference throughout the episode and to find out more about my amazing guest today. And if you'd like to learn more about any of the topics that we covered on today's podcast or about other topics relating to tax in general, I do invite you to sign up for my monthly newsletter, Musings of a Tax Chick, and follow me on Instagram. My handle is at tax.chick. If you enjoy this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and also click subscribe so you make sure you never miss a new episode. Please note that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast episode belong solely to the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the speaker's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. In addition, the information provided and discussed in this podcast is not legal advice. We encourage you to consult with your legal advisor for specific advice.